Elhamdülillah. Elhamdülillahi na'maduhu ve nasta'inuhu ve nastağfiruhu. Ve nu'minu bihi ve netevekkelu aleyhi. Ve na'udhu billahi min şururi enfusina ve min seyyati a'malina. Men yehdihillahu fela mudilla lehu ve men yudlil fela hadiyelen. Ve neşhedü en la ilahe illallah vahdehu la şerike lehu ve neşhedü enne Muhammeden abduhu ve resuluhu. Arsalallahu ta'ala bil haqqi beşiren ve nadira. Da'yan ilallahi bi iznihi ve siracan munira. Fahamma ba'du faqala ta'ala ya eyyuhallazine amanu attaqullaha haqqa tukatih. Ve la tamutunna illa ve entum muslimun. وقال يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم ان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشرل امور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدع وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار my dear respected brothers sisters elders allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu in the first ayat of surah al-maidah commanded and ordered us allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said ya ayyuhalladhina amanu awfu bil uqud any ayah which begins with Ya Ayyuhalladheena Amanu O you who believe is a direct command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to us and it is obligatory on us to obey that command failing which we are liable for punishment before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may Allah forgive us. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here Ya Ayyuhalladheena Amanu Awfu Bil Uqood which means, O oh, you who believe, fulfill your obligations, fulfill your oaths, fulfill your promises, fulfill your contracts. It's an ayah which does not differentiate among the people or whoever we have the contract with. Allah is not saying fulfill the contracts with Muslims and with non-Muslims you can do what you want. No. Fulfill your contracts, fulfill your oaths, fulfill your promises, no matter who you made that oath or that promise to. So this is the first fundamental thing to understand about Islam, that the law is supreme, number one. Number two, the law in terms of justice does not differentiate between one and the other. Differentiation between one and the other in the aspect of justice is injustice. You cannot have a law which is, which is one thing for one person or one group of people and the same thing is the opposite for another group of people. For example, as I speak to you today, in the UK, the, queen, the, the British monarch and his family are not prosecutable under British law. They cannot, you cannot file a suit against the monarch. Islam does not permit this. In Islam, the Khalifatul Muslimin, the Amirul Mu'minin, is under the law. 
There are cases, and I will come to one of them, one of the most famous ones of them, where an ordinary person in this particular case, not even a Muslim, filed a suit against the ruling Khalifa of the time. And the judge ruled against the Khalifa. This is Islam. Nobody but nobody is above the law. The law is supreme. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this, to, telling us to order and fulfill our contracts no matter who it is with. I remind myself and you that when you live in a country, no matter for what duration, whether you are a transit passenger in the airport, or whether you are a permanent resident in that country, or whether you are a temporary resident on this or that visa, irrespective of which country and irrespective of your visa, sta visa status, we enter into an oath or an obligation that we will be entitled to enjoy all that the country offers, its freedoms, its privileges, its benefits and opportunities, in return for which we will obey the laws of the land and never do anything detrimental to the welfare of that land or those people. This covenant, as I mentioned to you, applies irrespective of your visa status. Whether you are there for a day, for an hour, for the rest of your life, it makes no difference. The same contract applies. And for this, we are accountable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla. Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu anhuma narrates that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he said there are four characteristics whoever has them is a hypocrite and whoever has one of the four has one characteristic of hypocrisy unless he gives it up and what are these four? When he speaks he lies when he makes a promise he breaks it when he makes a pledge he betrays it and when he is angry and in a dispute, he uses foul language. And this is a muttafaqun ali agreed upon hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. I remind myself and you that it is a religious obligation of, for a Muslim to keep his promises, to behave truthfully and to respect other people's rights. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَأَوْفُوا بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ إِذَا آهَدْتُمْ وَلَا تَنْقُضُوا الْأَيْمَانَ بَعْدَ تَوْكِيدِهَا وَقَدْ جَعَلْتُمُ اللَّهَ عَلَيْكُمْ كَفِيلًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ Allah said which means in Surah Al-Nahl Fulfill the covenant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you have taken it and do not break oaths after their confirmation while you have made Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a witness over you. Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what you do. It is forbidden, haram for a Muslim to betray anyone to whom he or she has given a pledge or promise, no matter how small or big we may think that to be. For example, someone tells us something in confidence and we listen to that person and we promise to keep it confidential, to keep it secret. Then we go to somebody else and we say to him, I am saying this only to you. Don't tell anybody else. Huh? May Allah save us from ourselves. Some people are like CNN with two legs. We do not consider our action to be anything serious. But believe me, this is an enormous sin. And the problem with this sin is that Allah will not forgive this unless the person forgives it first. 
and this can result in severe humiliation and torment on the day of judgment. My brothers and sisters, I remind myself and you that trust is the basis of Izzah, of prestige, of honor. Trust is the result when we honor contracts. Trust is the result of truthfulness when we stand by our word. Ibn Umar reported from Rasulullah who said, إِذَا جَمَعَ اللَّهُ الْأَوَّلِينَ وَالْآخِرِينَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يُرْفَعُوا لِكُلِّ غَادِرٍ لِوَاءٌ فَقِيلَ هَذِهِ غَدْرَةُ فُلَانِ بْنِ فُلَانِ In Bukhari and Muslim, Muttafaqun Ali agreed upon, Rasulullah is reported to have said, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gathers, the earlier and later generations, meaning all of humankind, on the day of resurrection, he will raise a banner for every treacherous person, anyone who broke a promise. And it will be announced publicly that this is the treachery of this person who is the son of this other person. The general rule is that a Muslim should obey those in authority as long as they do not command us to commit sins. Ibn Umar reported that Rasulullah said, listening to and obeying the leader is an obligation. It's fard as long as he does not command disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he commands disobedience, then there is no obedience to him or listening to him. And this is Bukhari. I'm saying this because there seems to be some kind of mistaken idea in the minds of some of our Muslim brothers and sisters that they do not need to obey laws in a country which is not ruled by Muslims. Please, this if you believe this, eject it now. If you believe this, this is completely and totally false. And this is a sign of your ignorance of the laws of Islam. As I mentioned to you, Islam does not differentiate between Muslim and non-Muslim when it comes to fulfilling contracts and obligations. We must obey the law of the land in which we live as a matter of being true to our religion, which prohibits us from violating our contract of residence or citizenship. A Muslim is not permitted to do anything which can cause harm to others in any way, whether they are Muslim or not. If any law is against the Sharia of Islam, then a Muslim is not permitted to obey the law, but must protest against it and try to have it changed or have himself exempted, failing which he must make hijrah to another land where he can live in accordance with the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is as per the famous hadith of Hassan ibn Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu anhumah, the grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who heard, who said, I heard from my grandfather, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who said there is no obedience of the creation where there is disobedience to the Creator. And this is in Musnad Imam Ahmad. To obey all laws that are meant for public safety, security, human rights, environmental protection, and general benefit of society is fard in Islam. Driving through a red light, not wearing seat belts, driving without a license, parking in zones and places where you are not entitled to park. Let me leave you to add to the list. These are all not only illegal acts, as per the law of the land, but they are major sins, betraying our contract with the nation, punishable by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
as a violation of huquq ulibad. Please understand this, learn this, teach your children this. In my country in India, many wealthy people, they allow their little kids, 10 year old, 12 year old, to drive their cars and they make videos of that. And they are so proud, my 10 year old son can drive my, drive my BMW. He's so clever. Yeah, he's clever, you are stupid. Because what are you teaching him? You are teaching your son to disobey the law. So what's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether there is an accident, no accident. Maybe nothing happens. And may Allah protect us from our own stupidity. But you are still culpable and punishable by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you are violating a contract of the nation that you are living in. Don't, don't raise children to be criminals. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you parents not because of biology. He made you parents because you guide your children to Jannah. The Jannah is under the feet of the mother not because of biology. But because the mother guides the child to Jannah. The father is a door of the Jannah not because of biology. But because the father guides the child to Jannah. If the father and the mother are guiding the child to Jahannam, what about that? Please, have mercy on yourself and have mercy on your children. My brothers and sisters, we live in a country which is based on trust. People believe our word. You know this and I know this. Some of you have lived in this country so long that you have forgotten that. But remember the first time you came to this country, you say something to the police officer, he accepts it. In my country, he would have beaten it out of you. People in, people in, in, people wearing uniforms in our countries, they treat you like a dog. Yes or no? Here, they treat you with respect. Here, if they treat you without respect, you have recourse to the law. You can complain. And your complaint will be heard. Don't violate this. Do not violate this. The very fact that we left our countries to come and live here is a sign of one of two things. Either mental illness, because you are insane. If you lived in your country and that was better, then why are you here? Or it's a sign that here life is better than it was in my country. Read my lips. Don't violate that. Don't teach your children to violate that. Respect that and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu. That he gave us this opportunity. To come and live in a country. Where we have rights. Which will be fulfilled by the state. I went to the care uh, banquet in, in Boston. You know the thought in my mind throughout that whole thing. One of the things I saw there was one of the towns near Boston. There was this young girl in grade 8 who insisted on wearing a hijab to school. And the school did not allow her to wear hijab. So the school said you can't come to school if you're wearing a hijab. This girl refused to take it off. She said this is my religious obligation. I must wear the hijab. You know what happened? They overturned that. 
the court overturned that school's order. They, they, they changed the order. They said she has a right and all people have a right to display their religious symbols when they go to school. And the mayor of the town comes on stage and gives her an award and he says, thank you very much for upholding this right. In my country, the Supreme Court cannot decide whether, these, whether Muslim girls have a right to wear the hijab or can't wear the hijab, the, the, the thing is hanging in, in Supreme Court. We have 200 million Muslims in India. There are more Muslims in India than all the Arab countries put together. In Saudi Arabia, they passed a law now to say that in examinations, girls are not permitted to wear the burqa, to wear the, to wear the, uh, the, the hijab and the, and the uh, abaya. Please, wake up. Breaking laws, as I told you, the basis of law in Islam is benefit for the people. And we demonstrate our being Muslim by remembering that even if there is no cop or camera, Allah is there. To remember this and act upon it is our meter. It's our indicator of the health of our iman and the strength of our taqwa. Think about this. Not only does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibit us from breaking laws that are for the benefit of people, but he also prohibits us from doing things which may be legal in the country, but which are harmful to the people and the world. For this reason, interest-based transactions, lotteries, selling or buying, Cigarettes and tobacco products, alcohol, marijuana and other intoxicants, pornography. All things which are legal in this country are prohibited and haram for a Muslim to deal with. Because we are not concerned about that. We are concerned about whether the thing itself is beneficial or harmful. And nobody in the world, including those who made it halal and made it permissible, will say that alcohol is beneficial. Alcohol destroys lives. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jala jalalu to enable us to live in this country and wherever we live in the world in a way which demonstrates the beauty of Islam in our lives. الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وحمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعده My dear brothers and sisters Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in his kalam إن الله وملائكته يسلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم أنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم أنك حميد مجيد My brothers and sisters, I remind myself and you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said on the day of judgment when we meet him اليوم نختم على أفواههم 
و تکلی منا عیدیم و تشہد ارجل ہو بیما کان یکسبور اللہ سبحانہ تعالیٰ سے رون دیٹ ڈے دا ٹنگز ول بی سیلڈ آل آور کلیور آرگیومنٹس اینڈ آل آور کلیور تھیوریز وونٹ ورک ول ناٹ بی ایبل ٹو اسپیک دا ہینڈ ول اسپیک اینڈ دا فیٹ ول اسپیک اینڈ دی آئیز ول اسپیک اینڈ دا ایئرز ول اسپیک اینڈ دا باڈی ول اسپیک اینڈ دا اسکن ول اسپیک اینڈ دے ول سے اینڈ دے ول ٹیل دا اسٹوری آف واٹ وی یوز ٹو ڈو وی لیو ان اے ورلڈ ٹوڈے دس ایکچولی ہیپن ٹو می مینی ایئرز اگو This happened to me in, I think, 97 or 98. I was in UMass, and it was one of those MSA functions, the annual thing they have, and they asked me to talk about introduction to Islam. So I was, I gave this introduction to Islam, and then question and answer, and standard question, women's rights in Islam. <coughs> right? You can, you can bet on it. There are three questions you will always get. Any Islam thing, you will, you will get asked these three questions. So one of them is women's rights in Islam. So this lady stood up and she said, uh, in Islam, women are oppressed. What do you think? So I said, I got you. Now I'm going to hammer you into the ground. You will go down 20 feet, right? Because I will tell you there are women's rights in Islam. You are going to feel, you are going to feel so ashamed. And all this I'm thinking in my mind. So I said, thank you very much for the question. Here are women's rights in Islam. And I go bang, 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 bang. And she's still standing. I said, wow. What? She says to me, I am amazed. She said, thank you very much. I am completely, my, 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 you know, you've blown my mind. I, I'm very happy I asked this question. Thank you for, for removing all my misunderstanding and so on and so forth. Where can I see this? Where can I see this? And I'm looking for a hole into which I can go and pull the hole in with myself. Yeah? Go into the hole and pull the hole down by in, into the hole. Disappear, vanish. Where can I see it? Because you know and I know our stories. We have Muslim countries. <clears throat> who call themselves Islamic <clears throat> and apply the, sh- the Sharia sectionally. One piece and not the other piece. Just now, latest news. Afghanistan. The Taliban Minister of Higher Education. They shut down all colleges for girls. No education for women. He's giving an interview and he says in the interview that show me where in the Quran and Sunnah it says that women should be, <clears throat> should be given scientific education. You either know your deen or you don't know your deen. <clears throat> Rasulullah said Talabul ilmi faridatan ala kulli muslim wa muslima. He said husul of knowledge Learning and, and, and education is farida, is fard on every Muslim man and woman. Did he use the word physics? Where did he say architecture? I mean, what kind of stuff is this? What kind of stuff is this? And the interesting thing, which I discovered in that interview, and whether the, the interviewer knew that, 
So the man said, do your, do your children go to school? He said, yes, of course they go to school. And they, uh, and, and, they, and they wear hijab and so on. So on. He said, hold on a second. You have two daughters. Your daughters go to school. Go, they go to college in Doha. And he shuts down the universities in Afghanistan. And they call this Islam. This is Islam. Inna lillahi wa inna One of my dear friends and one of my teachers, he was the head of Islamic studies in Oxford, University in UK, Sheikh Akram Nadwi. One of the Orientalist scholars said to him, some, they, had a, they were talking and the Orientalist scholar said to him, uh, you don't permit women in Islam to have education. So Akram Nadwi said, what kind of stuff is this? I mean, you are totally way off the mark. He said, no. And then he said a challenge. He said, find me the names of five Muslim, female Muslim scholars. Five women scholars of Islam. Five. So Akram Nazmi said, you know, I, I said, okay, this is, this is, you know, I can do it in my sleep. So he said, I, I'll get you. So he said, I decided to do some research. He said, when I started researching women scholars, he said there were so many that I decided that women scholars is a, is a bad uh, thing to ask because there's just too many. So he said, I narrowed it down to women scholars of hadith. Muhaddithat. So only one part of Islamic knowledge. He's not talking about tafsir and tajweed and, and all the other stuff, fiqh and so on. It's only hadith. Female scholars of hadith. How many did he want? Five. Guess how many he got? Anybody give me a number? 9,000. 40 volumes. He wrote the book called Al-Muhaddithat in 40 volumes. And the, he tells me, the reason I stopped it is because my publisher says, you are insane, nobody will publish this thing. 40, he said, I'm not saying 9,000 is the number. He said, I stopped at 9,000. After writing brief biographies of women scholars, female scholars of Islam, 40 volumes. The book is there on Amazon. Go buy it. It has a, it has a muqaddimah. It has an introduction of 300 pages which has been translated into, into English. The book itself is in Arabic. Al-Muhaddithat. And you have the government in Afghanistan who, come, who claims to be Islamic, which shuts down universities. What Islam is this man? This is what gives Islam a bad name because people who claim to be Muslim behave in ways which are illegal in Islam. I'm giving you a wide variety of examples from driving through red lights to being a minister who bans female education in his country. At the same time, you stand on a member. And we tell these stories. And I told you, I'll tell you the story. The story is about Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib who lost his shield. And then he saw this shield in the shop of a Jewish pawnbroker. So he told the man, this is my shield. The man said, your shield, not, not your shield. I don't know. Pay, pay me so much, I'll give you. He said, how do I pay for my own shield? He said, maybe you stole it. He said, no, I, this, came, this came to me, so... 
So he goes down. Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib at that time is the Amir Mumin. He is the Khalifa. He is the ruler of the country. So he goes to the court. He files a suit against this Jewish guy, this pawnbroker. The Qazi is one of the, main, one of the famous Khuda of Islam, Qazi Shuraikh. So the Qazi says, fine. When they come in, very interesting. Qazi Shuraikh stands up and he says, Marhaba, Ya Abu Hassan. He said, come in, Ya Abu Hassan. Says, and then he calls the other guy, he says, come and sit. Says, and Ali says, no. He said, you are treating me with more respect than you are treating the one I filed a suit against. Why? In your court, I am Ali bin Abi Talib. I am not Abul Hassan. I am not the Khalifa. I do not have a special status. Your court, I and this man, who is not even Muslim, he's a Jewish guy. Have the same status. Eh? Imagine. This man is the Khalifa. He is the ruler. He is from the Ahlul Bayt. He is the cousin of Rasulullah. He is the husband of his beautiful and his favorite daughter Fatima. Eh, how, many, how much of Fadila of Sayyidina Ali. And the other guy is not even Muslim. He says no, no, no. All of that nothing. In this court we are equal. In the present the case. So the judge says, what's your proof? So Sayyidina Ali says, I will bring my son, Hassan, who knows the shield. He said, no, we can't accept it. We do not accept the witness of your son in your favor. If your son is giving witness against you, we accept it. But if your son is giving witness in your favor, we don't accept it. So your son is not, ac not acceptable as a witness. Find somebody else. So Sayyidina Ali says, well, there is this other man. Who works for me and he knows the shield. So Qazi Shura calls him. He says, Do you, who are you? I am so and so. What is your relationship with Sayyidina Ali? The man says, I used to be his slave. He freed me. I now work for him. The Qazi Shura says, goodbye. You don't accept. He says, why? He says, because he is beholden to you. Freed him from slavery. <coughs> so he is grateful to you. you don't accept him. So he says, find me somebody else. Sayyidina Ali said, I don't have anybody else. Qazi Shuraik said, then the sheet belongs to that guy. Your case dismissed. Sayyidina Ali Radhi gets up from there, big smile on his face. And he's walking out. The Jewish man comes to him and says, why are you smiling? He says, because Alhamdulillah. He says, what Alhamdulillah? You lost the case. Your own judge passed the judgment against you. He said, Alhamdulillah, that's why I'm smiling. He said, what do you mean? He said, because my judge upheld the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm very happy. Alhamdulillah. The man said, this is your religion? He said, yes. This is our religion. The Jewish guy said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Eh? And he takes the shield. He says, this is your shield. Somebody brought it to me and sold it to me, so I took it. Take your shield back. Sayyidina Ali says, no. You are now a Muslim, you are my brother. I give you the shield as my gift. Eh? That man became Sayyidina Ali's closest companion. They, they say that he used to stick to Sayyidina Ali day and night. 
and eventually he was shaheed in one of the battles. Nice story, right? Nice story. You like the story? Tell me which Muslim country will this happen today? In, in which Muslim country can we look for this to happen? This is our problem. Our stories are only for here. To entertain the crowd. And you say, mashallah, 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 what a beautiful khutbah. Inna lillahi wa inna rajiul. Whereas the country you're living in, George Bush Jr., when he was president, his daughter, 19, was given a citation, was given a ticket for being in possession of alcohol as a minor. Now they asked the Secret Service, they said, you know, the Secret Service protects the family of the president 24-7 and the Secret Service was there when the cop gave her a ticket. So they asked the Secret Service people, the Secret Service spokesman said, we protect the family of the president, we do not condone violation of the law. She's not in any danger, she violates the law, she gets a ticket, you don't stop. The president himself didn't stop that ticket from happening. Nobody in the administration stopped the daughter of the president from getting a ticket for being, for violating the law, for being in the possession of alcohol when she wasn't supposed to do it. She was too young for that. Most recently, many of you must have heard it, the police chief of Tampa lost her job because at a traffic stop, she flashed her badge. The guy who stopped her is her subordinate. He works for her. Huh? My brothers and sisters, wake up. It's the hallmark of Islam that the law is supreme. And that is why it is so important to ingrain this in our children. We live in countries where we, where we benefit in multiple ways that we could not hope to do in our own countries. But, but at the same time, here we are under the spotlight 24-7. And that's an, that's an enormous opportunity to showcase Islam by our behavior. So let us use that consciously. When we park in handicapped slots or fire lanes, which happens regularly in this masjid. When we drive without seatbelts or recklessly over speed. When we park illegally in other people's places, on somebody else's lawn and so on. We are not only breaking the law of the land, but we are committing a sin against our neighbors which will make us liable for punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if we never get caught in this life. It really is that simple. Now, brothers and sisters, the world listens with its eyes. They don't care what we say until they see what we do. Our actions speak so loudly that they drown out the sound of our voice. When we spark badly or drive badly or speak badly or deal with someone badly, it's not the transaction that's important, but the message that we are giving to the world which is about who we are. This is our signature. When we respect the law, we are saying, I am trustworthy. I care for myself and my neighbors. I am someone you can rely on. When we break the law, we are saying, don't trust me. Do not trust me. So please understand. What is the message that we, can, that we want to give to people? I hire people for companies. I filter hires for senior management hires for GE and other companies. And one of the things I see is where they park their car, what they do. Because as far as I'm concerned, if I cannot trust you, the rest doesn't matter. 
اقول قولي هذا استغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر لنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار يا ايها القيوم برحمتك نستغيث اصلح لنا شاننا كل لا اله الا انت we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make special dua for our dear brother Hudayfa who is very very seriously ill in Bayshet Hospital. He is in critical care, critical condition in ICU, has been for the week now. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring him back home safe and sound completely without any impairment of any kind and to take away his pain and suffering and to help him in this, in this moment where only and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can help him. Ya ayu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith ya kareem ya rahim ya arhamar rahimin rabbana atina fi dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasanatan wa qina adhaban nar Amin ya rabbal alamin Ya ibadallah rahimakumullah inna allaha ya'amru biladdi wal ihsan wa ita'izil qurba wa yanha'anil fahshay wal munkari wal baghi ya'idukum la'allakum tazakkarun udhkurullaha yadhkurukum udhu yastajib lakum wala dhikrullahi akbar wallahu ya'lamu ma'atasnaun aqibu salam